You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. Tonight we're talking with lighting technician James Young about his career from rigging gaffer to DP. Our dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something is actually strange. The middle children of history, man. No purpose, no place. We have no great war. No great depression. Get you, Barbara. We're on a mission from God. I'll buy that for a dollar. Welcome to the party, pal. What's the smile on my face? All right, sweethearts. You heard the man. Pull him out. Come on, let's have him. I will show you where I have made my home while preparing to bring justice. Then I will break you. How great was the spiritual war? How great depression is our lives. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Brian. With me tonight, Mr. James Young. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Now, good. you're a crew guy, right? Sure. All right. Now, sure. what, t- talk to me. Tell me exactly what, what are some of the positions that you've filled in? And uh, I've, I've gaffed ton of commercials, music videos. I've also uh, been second unit gaffer on some uh, larger TV shows. The last thing I was uh, a splinter unit gaffer on Thank You for Your Service, which is not out yet, but uh, a very short term period on that. Uh, on the upcoming um, TV show Stranger Things, I was a second unit gaffer on uh, some of that as well. And uh, oh God, what I, I cannot remember the name it's it's a sad thing after you work on shows for a while you tend to forget what you've done uh, or you wish you'd forget revolution uh, <laughs> i was the second unit gaffer on that revolution yeah all right yeah but i've done tons of uh work as a, a set lighting technician on many many features uh more than i can remember to be honest how, how did you get started i went to f- film school at the university of memphis and uh basically how i got into that is i had a uh I had a roommate, and I was a psychology student, and uh, had a roommate who uh, was an, uh, a visual artist, a painter, uh, graphic designer, things of that nature. And uh, all my friends were in the uh, visual arts, and they all suggested, because of my love of film, that I take a production class. So uh, a friend of mine, Ray Vunk, um, said, let's take a production class together. And he dropped out very quickly, and I just stayed in it and loved it. So that's how I got the hook for it. Okay, so I guess the big thing is like, so you go to film school. Every kid's question when you get out of film school: How do you get your first job? Mm. Well, I um, I ended up getting a couple of jobs while I was still in film school. So working in in, in the industry, you just go out there and you try um, find out where the work is. Go there, talk to somebody, get on. Basically, it knocking on doors, talking to people. So you you found some people here in Memphis and you got in. I was work. I worked on a independent uh, movie that came into town again. I, I you know I I can't even remember the name of the movie. I remember it was about a uh, uh, girl was like I believe a stripper musician. You know some guys from L.A. <laughs> came out and uh, or I, I I think that's what it was, but who knows? I I can't remember now. I know she was a stripper because we were in strip clubs. And she was a, in the film, she was a heroin user. That was like my first taste of a, a film that I worked on, a, a real film. And uh, yeah, it just went from there. Then then, then I did tons of music videos. Uh, I was working here 
tons of music videos, tons of commercials that because that's basically the market in Memphis, isn't it? There's not many features. Yeah. I understand right now we have there's a TV show here, uh, I believe it's Million Dollar Quartet. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I, I don't know much about that. I, I understand it's a. Uh, it's about the Elvis and a group of people. Is it uh, is it the Sun Studio crowd when they got together and played in the recording session? Yeah, I think that's it. I'm not 100 percent sure what exactly the story is. So that's going on in town, but I mean, it's pretty rare here. I mean, film production film production runs off of film incentives, which are tax givebacks by states to production companies. And production companies follow those. So films go to states and areas that support that. And uh, I left here and went to uh, North Carolina for a while because they were making a lot of films in Wilmington. And then um, recently, eight months ago, I would say, I finally made the pilgrimage out of Wilmington uh, again because of uh, their lack of tax incentives. Uh, they had uh, decreased them and went to Atlanta, Georgia, because there's been an enormous amount of tax incentives there, and a lot of the feature market is there now. Um, a lot of the feature market left Los Angeles and went to uh, and went to Atlanta. You know, Marvel. Marvel is really basing a lot of the stuff there. I haven't worked on anything Marvel, but Marvel's there just to give you an example, and just a, a lot of film productions there because of their incentive. No, well, Marvel, they were in on Wilmington, right? And then they, they moved to Atlanta? They they made one film. Uh, they did um, they did Iron Man 3 there. And, oh, okay. Yeah, they did Iron Man 3 there. And for whatever reason, after that, they uh, perhaps it was the demise of the incentive. Mm, I can't really say. You know, I could speculate, but I couldn't really tell you. But uh, Yeah, politics. Politics, but, you know, money. Money yeah. is where they go. But, uh, you know, it's Atlanta, Georgia has had... Well, Georgia in general, but Atlanta especially, has had a huge, huge upsurge of filmmaking. And it's all because of the the tax rebates. Now, have you heard anything about um, like New Orleans and the Louisiana area and stuff like that? Louisiana has uh, has had a huge rebate. I've heard it slowed down because they're a little worried about it. But yes, that would be the other large city. Of course, now, uh, recently, you know... California didn't have a rebate, and they now they do. But uh, as I understand it, it's more geared towards television production, and most of the, that's why most of the larger features are still made are st- are not still made, but are getting shipped to uh, to Georgia. Is it the first or second? I'm not sure if it's the first or the second year for the uh, the rebate in California. It's a very large rebate, but again, I believe it's a uh, it's mostly television that is geared towards episodics. Yeah, I, that's where it seems like a lot of money's going towards, like with Netflix and uh, Amazon, you know, funding more and more and buying more of those properties. Right, right. Now, I, some it's something about the way the incentive is structured in California. It's structured where, and it's been a while since I've read this, but I believe you can get a, a 25% rebate if it's a, a TV production that has started elsewhere and you bring it back to California, uh, yeah. So they're trying to they're induce that, and you that know, makes sense. And TV shows, if you get TV production there, you know, TV episodics run have very long runs, but then so do very large films. I mean, I'm sure the Marvel films are running for a good amount of time. You know, I don't know how many times at the end of credits. I know, I know, what these credits are, but I hear sometimes people are always like, "Man, what's a gaffer? What's a best boy electrician?" Why do why do why do we these come up with these crazy names in films where we give people these insane insane <laughs> titles for jobs that really confuse people? You you've been a gaffer before, right? Yes. All right. Well, we'll run run our audience down. What what's a gaffer? 
A gaffer is uh, usually the uh, chief set lighting technician. He's the head of the lighting department, and uh, now that's supposed to grip. Uh, the gaffer would do anything with that is actual a light where uh, you have a key grip who's uh, both key grip and the, the key set lighting technician, a la gaffer, both work for the director of photography. Uh, directly under him, and uh, they each have a crew under them. They each have a best boy under them. The best boy is basically a foreman, and a uh, best boy will handle all the equipment ordering. Um, they handle all the hiring of the crew, the firing, the paperwork, uh, daily time cards, things of that nature, talking with production a lot of times. And that's what that's what a best boy does. Um and then you have a regular crew. You have your uh, regular crew members, and then you'll have day players because uh, you'll have a standard complement depending on the budget of the film of uh, between usually four. You'll have one. We call it one one like four, and then plus whatever. And sometimes it's one one and six. One sometimes it's one one and seven if it's a big show. And those will be your your, your people in your crew. So one is your key. Plus one is your best boy. Plus how many crew members you have, and then they'll say plus again because you never have enough people on a big show to do everything you need to do. So if you go out on an especially big night, say if you go on a night and you have to light up blocks and blocks and blocks, you have to have more lighting equipment for that specific scenes and thus more people and more special equipment. Anytime you order special equipment, is more, more of that is involved, more manpower. Now you're talking about more manpower, Kent, and you brought up uh, doing big, you know, big lighting setups and wide shots and stuff. From your experience, how how much more difficult is it to do night than day photography in terms of lighting? I think it's much more difficult to do night usually. Well, usually for if you're now, I'm sure the grips would disagree. So uh, being an <laughs> electrician uh, or a set lighting technician, sometimes they, we're referred to as electricians, although we're hardly anyone's a, a licensed electrician, but they, we're also called that. Or sometimes we're, we're called juicers, you know, slang sparks. There's there's all kinds of uh, nicknames for us, but you're juicers, huh? Right. <laughs> it's, it sounds so terrible, man. It sounds right. like you guys are uh, doing something really shady. There. Right. Uh, it, it's, it, it can be more difficult at night and then it can be, once you get the manpower established, it can be not so bad. If you've got enough ma- manpower and all your big lights are doing most of the work, you know, that you, that you, uh, you your, say your rigging crews come in, You'll have a rigging crew and a rigging gaffer as well in most big shows. And they'll come in and uh, put in the, the – lay in the cable. They'll lay in um, the bigger lights. The They'll place the lift platforms that have bigger lights in them, any lights on top of roofs and things like that. A lot of times it's just turning those on and those off to get get ambient light everywhere and then – you know, it can be just a few handful of lights that really that really just augment your base light that you've set up. It depends. It depends on the director of photography. It depends on the director. It depends on a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It depends on a daylight shoot. You know, I've worked on shoots where the director of photography did not like to use natural daylight. So what they would do is, like, say, rig uh, what's called a fly swatter, which, which is uh, you take a... Uh, Aerial platform, which we call condors, like a, if you can think about a cherry picker, say an 80 to 100, uh, probably about an 80 footer, 
and you put a 20-foot piece of material on this. You build a frame for it and you hang it on there. And this you use this to uh, to kill top light coming off. Well, I've seen three of those married together. I've seen like l large sections of uh, things hung off cranes. So basically you just block out the sun so you can bring in light in other directions that you want to. And that depends on the DP, you know. Some some DPs like natural light. A lot of a lot of DPs like natural light, and uh, a lot of them don't like turning on a, a lot of lights. And there's some people who really do. <laughs> okay, is that, and that's just totally like a stylistic choice. Absolutely a stylistic after. choice. Absolutely a stylistic choice. I and mean, you know, you see all kinds of things people do. Uh, last thing I saw is uh, the uh, this uh, Russian DP was very very good. Was uh, was putting up 20 by blues, you know, like day blues and using them for like bounce, uh, just to give a little color in and like a backyard scene, which, uh, they didn't have a lift back there, which I, th I thought looked was kind of interesting to look, but it you know, were some very unhappy grips. that day. <laughs> Blo like, so you're blocking the sun out and then you're bringing other lights in mm -hmm. to light the scene. You don't have any examples like, just for our listeners, like if they were to go back and like look at something, do you know? Oh, you see it all. Well, I mean, you'd have, you know, you'd have to know how to recognize it because you take you take an eighteen k and then or several eighteen k's. You know, you take a wall of eighteen k's and you have like eighteen k's just lined up like one, two, three, four. You know, and uh, whether they're diffused or that, I mean, the point is not to be able to tell. It's supposed to look like sunlight, either diffused sunlight or hard sunlight. You know, if you if you can look at it. And uh, someone who does not know about lighting can look at it and go, wow, that looks like they, they put a light in there. That's bad. <laughs> That's not so good. <laughs> now, you brought up uh, HMI lights. Now, HMI lights, those are lights that are – Daylight balance. They're, they're daylight ba balance, so they have a daylight, uh, a daylight spectrum. They run from 18K lights. Well, actually, bigger than that. They run to 50 and 100K lights. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, suns and – the most common that you would see in everyday production, uh, those would be special orders, the 50Ks and the, the 100Ks. N not that we wouldn't get those in a drop package, but you would, what you would carry on your normal package when your truck, your lighting, uh, the truck that you have is uh, probably 18Ks. You'd be carrying 18Ks and dropping down to uh, some people like 12K PARs, some people don't. The 9K uh, areas have become really, 9K PARs have become really. Uh, popular now the 9k area uh, maxes uh, and what's a par uh it's a parabolic reflector it's uh it's it's excuse me i said airy max airy max is 18k i'm talking about the m90s which is a, a 9k par m90s the airy m series is a great light I, I don't know if i should be saying brand names of lights or not but I'm, it's what who makes them the the airy max is Airy uh, M90s, Airy M40s, uh, and M18s—they're all great lights, and I think they've—they've uh, they've made big changes in lighting. That and LED lights. There seems to be a new LED light every time you turn around on set. Someone's come out with a new type of LED. Yeah, man, I, I remember those LEDs started coming out. Uh, it's less than ten years ago now, hey? Yeah, yeah, and you know, and you know, you, Kino makes a very nice one, the Celeb, and then there's Cream Source. Uh, Oh God, uh, Aries got a very nice one out too. The Sky Panel, yeah. There's there's just so many coming out. Digital Sputniks. Every time you turn around, there's a. It seems like there's a new LED light source that's out there. One question I wanted to ask. Uh, now LEDs, um, do they actually 
do they draw less power? Much less power. Now, are those very beneficial to use, like, out in location? I, yeah, of course they are. Of course they are. Anytime you, you know, the great thing about them is they're dimmable. So you're, they're dimmable without changing color temperature. They they have uh, low amounts of uh, power they, they, they take. They take much lower than tungsten or uh, HMI fixture. So yeah, they're great. And they're they're taking over the industry. They they're having a little problem with uh getting the, the throws right. You have a Frendale and a hard lamp and most of the, the you to try to get a kind of throw and a beam to project a distance and have a nice pattern on it and a nice throw is difficult with LEDs. Um because you're limited to the size you can make an LED, uh individual LED and then you have to bank them. So most of them are more softer. They can be quite punchy, but they're they tend to be softer and more spread and not to be like point like a Fresnel or an ellipsoidal or uh, something like that that gives you a lot of a, a very sharp edge. Lighting styles now, though, if you look at lighting styles that have happened lately, more and more people are going to with soft lights. More, I've I noticed that more – you don't see many people lighting with hard light anymore. I love the look of hard light. You know, sure. so many times – Light is bounce or double diffuse. You bounce it and then put a diffusion in front of it after the bounce, which is called a, a book light. So you'll take a, a light, punch it into a, a, a bounce source, and then put a diffusion in front of that so to really diffuse the light source. You know, and it looks good. Don't give me – don't. I, there's a lot of DPs who do it, and it looks fantastic. I, I still kind of miss the hard light sometimes, and uh, – you know, um, used to be when you go on set and every time you'd see a light set, there'd be like eight flags around it, cutting it and shaping it. And that doesn't happen so much anymore. Now it's a big light source and you have all these light control devices and uh, it's not so much a grip forced around a light anymore. Uh, the times, they are a changing, The man. times are a changing. You, you have all this lighting stuff. You, you're doing night stuff. You're doing day stuff. When you go out into remote locations or just even in the woods where there's not a power outlet. What do you, what do you guys do? No, they, they we 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 carry generators out there, lay massive amounts of cable. Uh, we don't use the rigging crew does that. If your your rigging crew will go out there and uh, put out generators. What what are, what are these generators like? I mean, like fifteen hundred amp generators usually. You know, fifteen hundred amp. So yeah, they throw fifteen hundred amp generators and they're laying four out out there and they're laying everything and you know and then the, <clears throat> the grips are out there doing things as well, laying track and putting all the, you know building cranes. You go out in the woods. You're still using cranes out there. You're still using all kinds of things out there. And when you know when a when a film company travels, even in the woods, it's it's kind of like the carnival comes to town. You know, there's trucks there. <laughs> there's trucks. There's tri- you know for the stars, the bathrooms, everything. It's it is like the carnivals come to town. <laughs> As you know, I've I've shot many a few a few indies here of a, a DP indies and uh, I've DP'd some commercials. Yes, and sir. The old Red one, and uh, I hope they don't get all upset about this. Was was a different animal when the MX come came out in the Epic, but uh, with newer cameras, you can get away with with a lot less light now out there. But if it's dense woods, you you need to get some something out there. Usually, you know what we'll do is put a you want to put a get a condor out there and uh, get some light coming back. You usually use it as a backlight so you don't light up the world from the front. And but you can use park hands out there and, and rake things. You can do all sorts of things. You can use soft lights. Balloons are great. Maybe a little outside most people's budgets, but uh, a thing. Um, What's a balloon? That's that, it's I'm a not familiar li- with that. 
You're not familiar with the balloon? No, I don't a think well, balloon. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, describe it to me. Maybe, maybe it's a helium balloon with uh, lights in it, and they make all different sizes, and you nope. just uh, fill it with helium, and then it flies up. It's a, a large balloon with lights inside of it, and it makes a very nice soft source. And you could shoot night stuff. Uh, it's just you, you just got to know. You got to plan it. You got to know what you're shooting. It, again, it's hard to go out with a 6,500 amp generator and say, like somebody says, well, I want to... I want to show this car pulling up, and then they jump out, and we follow them. They jump out, and we follow them down this stri- down this wooded area that are running through the woods, and it's all one shot. And you're like, wow, no. <laughs> yeah, dude, look, well, it's going to be in a steady cam. I mean, if you got the time and money for it, it's awesome. Oh, you know, you can do anything with enough time and money. Exactly. You know. Um, but yeah, that's the problem. You know, usually you don't have t- the, the time, time or money, money. <laughs> right? Or the manpower. You know, time, money, and manpower. Yeah. Problems with indie filmmaking, man. Problems with indie filmmaking. But, uh, you know what? Uh, changing gears from indie filmmaking to big budget filmmaking here. Because this is complete area I don't know anything about. But um, you, you worked on the Hunger Games, right? I did. Well, I worked on the ring crew on the Hunger Games, on the first Hunger Games. Uh, and I didn't work on the whole thing. I worked on about two and a half, three months of it when they were in Charlotte, North Carolina. You guys had to have done a bunch of green screen stuff. Now, did you guys? Oh, massive, massive green screen work. No, was that all set up out in the woods? Like how? No, um, most of it was set up. Uh, most of it was set up at the Philip Morris plant in. Um, I believe it's the Philip Morris plant is the name. It's either R.J. Reynolds or Philip Morris. I can't remember which one. Uh, it's one big of the, tobacco baby. Yeah, big tobacco. A, a big, an older big tobacco plant in Charlotte, North Carolina. And the green screen was done, the smaller green screens were done inside, and the larger green screens were done on the outside. I was, again, on the rigging crew for that, and so I saw a lot of those going up. Uh, some were rather huge. And I rigged on some of the uh, exterior ones. I, I, I spent a lot of time in uh, condors, again, like 80-foot lifts, rigging lights. Like a lot of, uh, rigged a lot of kinos on that, um, on that show. There were... So it's, yeah, yeah, a lot of green screen, a lot of green screen work. Uh, that, especially, what was it, uh, you know, the whole, the chariot ride when they, they come up. Something of the Tribunes, I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the beginning of the movie. Yeah, when the, well, the dress is on fire or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Or the middle, I guess, when, I, when yeah. they start getting ready to go. That was a huge rig. I think we had, you know, we we had so many uh, T-12s out there, 12K tungsten heads we had them all line coming across a building maybe like 12 or more on one side and then we had condors on the other side with 12 or more of those it was a ma- massive rig and I, th- I think they we got a compliment on that too they were saying that the the shoot went uh very smoothly and quickly and that's another thing is if it's rigged you come in you got lights you can turn on and off giant lights that light up everything there's and there's lights rigged into the chariots and you know, flicker effects in the chariots, and there's not much else to do. You know, add a little light here, a little light there, and there's it's already done for you. Man, that's well, that's good though. That's right. Yeah. But how long, how long did it take you guys to like set up some of the green screen stuff? Oh well, you know the grips put up the green screen, so the grips. Uh, oh, well, I'm just talking like like the lighting. Oh, like all all of it. Oh, I whoosh, we had that. That was a huge rig. I think that was like a t- ten day rig. Just for you guys or for, like, the whole thing start to finish? I think just for us, for the amount of forot we had to lay out there, because you were talking about multiple plants, lights going up there. Yeah, it was, uh, I would say, probably a, a seven to ten day rig. This is why movies cost hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I'm going to say that. I, I, I can't remember the exact time frame, but that seems about right. But it was huge. And you understand that was a massive. That was one of the biggest rigs in the movie, too. It was, yeah, it was so you guys have to go through all, you lay all that cable. and Yeah, that, and then you know those lights were set. Now, those lights, what I'm talking about, were set for, to light them, but also they're running through green screen. So then we had, I don't know how many Kinoflows we put up. And we put up massive amounts of Kinoflows on all the uh, green screens, too. They're in the background. Uh, so... There was a lot of there was a lot of that, and you know the groups are building the green screens, and we're laying power, and then as the green screens are coming up, we're putting in, we're we're putting in the lights and dropping that and weatherproofing it and whatnot. So, and oh my God, the heat there! It was it was uh, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty awful. Inside or out? It was outside. We were outside. We were in the this, well. It was huge. You couldn't you you know you couldn't you couldn't run the uh, the chariots on the inside for that long of a of <laughs> a stretch uh was it avenue of the tribunes i don't know what the hell it was called i don't know so yeah i did work on the hunger games there uh i didn't you know i didn't know what it was <laughs> i had no idea what it was that's that's hilarious man i think that's so funny so you, you just you just like yeah it's it's, man, it's just a job dude i gotta take it you know well yeah it was a job and uh you know i was i remember i showed up for the first day and i was in downtown charlotte and uh I'm walking through, and uh, I saw the people in the costumes and the the dyed hair, and I was like, "Huh, really interesting." <laughs> <laughs> I bet you that was a little shoggy because some of those costumes in that movie are really over the top. And yeah, just, yeah, you know. and you know, it was one of their shoot one of their bigger bigger scenes there. You know, kind of futuristic, and everybody had you know yellow or I mean gold or pink hair, and they were wearing all these suits. And oh man, that's yeah. great. Oh, dude, like, that's awesome. Yeah, it looked like you walked into like a David Boy convention during you know. Like, <laughs> Right, <laughs> uh, you know, I guess we really haven't we haven't talked any uh, camera, man. Like, what cameras do you like? What uh... mainly what I've worked wor- with lately is the Alexa or the uh, or the uh, the Red Epic. Um, yeah, that's pretty much the standard out there now. Waiting to see what happens next because the Aries is a fantastic looking camera. People love it. We use it all the time. It's been getting a little long in the tooth though. It's uh it's been out there for a while. You would think they're coming up with something. Something soon. Yeah, because it, it doesn't even do 4K. No. Um, which is kind of, I don't know. Well, you know, the last... Uh, Seems well, kind of outdated already. Now, they have a new camera, I think, that has a 4K... Col- uh, that I'm not sure if it's true 4K, though. Do they have a system that's true 4K? Uh, not to my knowledge. I think it was like 3K if you do the RAW and some weird... I don't know how you record it. I just get the files, man. Right. Uh, I, but yeah. Uh, well, you know, Netflix ins- insists on shooting in 4K, so it, you can't shoot Airy. You have to shoot some other format besides the uh, Airy. That's why uh, when we were working on Stranger Things. They were shooting with the uh, the Epic because uh, Netflix demands 4K content when they're original shows. Yeah. Well, they're getting ready to start their uh, they're getting ready to start their 4K service here pretty soon. So yeah. How are they going to get all that bandwidth to, with all their subscribers to put 4K out there? I don't everybody? know. The 4K costs a little extra more. I think I think it's like four, three or four dollars more for the 4K content. But from what I was looking, what they had, it's like two episodes for a season, like the first two episodes for a, for a television show in a season, and then like the rest of it will be in 1080. In 1080, but yeah. The, but the first ones will be in. But four, the first two will be like in 4K or, to to get you. Well, they, I know we recorded. Everything I just I worked on a, uh, a television show called Stranger Things. Everything was shot with the Epic in 4K, and so and I know they have the they have the ability to broadcast in 4K the entire show, but they're they're not going to do it. They're just going to do the first two episodes, huh? 
Well, I don't know if they're going to do that for for that one. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's all they had available, or maybe they were just testing the waters. Because I don't think they maybe they're trying officially... to get you hooked. Yeah, maybe. you liked those first two, didn't you? It's not quite the same, is it? Who knows? <laughs> Netflix. They obviously know what they're doing, so I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna pry into their business affairs. They're doing pretty well. I talked to uh, director of photography uh, Neil Norton, and I don't. Well, maybe I shouldn't quote him too much. Neil's an incredibly intelligent man. Has been uh, in the business for a long time, and his view of it is that really after you get to a certain point, like for people don't really like them. He, he thinks that people don't really like the higher definitions, like the 4K. That's too much information. That's you know that you need to start using filters. Uh, because it just becomes too much information. It's too sharp that people don't actually like it. Have you seen the 4K televisions? Have you? Have you? Yeah, actually, I got one. And have you watched something on 4K with it? Yeah, I got some 4K Blu-rays, man, and a 4K player. Yeah, and what did you think? Was it too sharp? Did you feel like it was unnatural? No, no. I really recommend the Revenant right now. Uh, I would say that's probably the only Ultra HD Blu-ray that's even really worth buying. Really? Yeah, dude, that is gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Beautiful movie, yeah. It's Beautiful got great movie. color. Um, but what's really great about the uh, the 4K is it's got that high dynamic range. Yeah. So you get, uh, man, dude, you just get just the brights are brighter, the blacks are deeper. You get all that color space in between, and it's just gorgeous to look at. Hmm. I, you know, I, I saw it. At, I saw the Revenant at the, the at the at the theater. I really, really enjoyed it. I thought that was a fantastic film. Oh yeah, really? Like yeah, yeah, a movie with beautiful cinematography. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, this guy over here is going to hate it, Come right? On. Well, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> well, you know, it, it's interesting. It was almost shot all on wide lenses. Look at it. It's all, it's all, a, it's a, it's a very wide lens movie, isn't it? It is. Yeah, very wide lens movie. It's a very bold choice. Yeah, well, especially yeah. in today's. You know, I feel like. Um, I don't want to blame Michael Bay, but I feel like it was Uh-oh. in that kind of time period of the nineties where we. We went like long lens, and I, I feel like we went like a little too far. I don't know if Tony Scott can make a movie without with just wide lenses. <laughs> uh, well, he can't. He can't now. Anyway, he could. Like, oh yeah, that's uh, not, true. Not to say anything mean about Mr. Uh, Tony Scott, but uh, no, yeah, yeah, but hey, he knew what he liked, man. He, you know, which is obviously a very, very long lens. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's that's why you pick a director. You got a vision. My my vision's on a really long lens. Dude. Yeah, yeah. So we want the hundred mil lens. Hundred. Put the five hundred on there and get over there. Get across the street. Oh my god! How big would that gl- piece of glass be? It's big. Uh, I don't. I don't think I've ever seen a five hundred. Uh, they make them. I, I, I'm I've sure. I'm sure some of that stuff has got to be shot on 300 millimeter or something. It just insanely. It just seems like it's an insanely long lens. A lot of his movies are. Uh, we were talking. We were talking lighting. We were talking camera. And then we uh, let's 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 talk movies, man. What are some mentioned the Revenant earlier? What what are some great movies cinematography wise? Oh God, there's so many of them. I, there, there's so many of them. Even even you get some bad. There's some bad films with great cinematography. In them. That's okay. That's true. That's, un, that's unfortunately true. It's like the one great thing that's a constant. And you can have a crappy movie and it still look pretty. Yeah, it's like well, that's that's a really pretty looking movie. And I didn't. Now wait a minute. Now, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Um, Road to Perdition. Do you think right. it's a great film? Uh, yeah, I like. Well, I don't know if great, good. Yeah. Okay, it's a good film. Yeah, it's a it's a four star, four out of five, four or, out of five, or three out okay. of four. A- uh, absolutely. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah. It is the cinematography is insanely good. It's so much better than the film 
the cinematography just makes my mouth water. I'm just like, wow, look at that. It's so cool. you like that one better than uh, – what's that other one he did with Sam Mendes, Conrad Hall did? Uh, American Beauty? American Beauty. No, I think American Beauty is a better film. No, I mean, well, which one's a better looking movie? Well, but they both look really good. But there's yeah. there's some there's some there's some the cityscapes in there where I think like uh, Paul Newman gets killed at the end, and and they're in the rain and the buildings. And oh it's just, yeah, yeah, it's just gorgeous. You just look at it, and you're like, oh, my God, that's gorgeous. But uh, I do I do love American Beauty as well. I think it's and I think it's a better film to be honest. I think it's a better film and. Uh, American Beauty is just more entertaining. I think. Uh, yes, I will is. say that it's more entertaining. I can rewatch that one more than I can rewatch Road to Perdition. And the cinematography and is still just fantastic. And American Beauty is gorgeous. Oh yeah, dude! I like the red door, how he gets that to stand out, and um, the okay. colors really pop. Yeah, he does. And there's a lot of reds in there. The red petals. There's a lot of reds that are really popping in there. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a, just a good looking movie all the way around. Now you brought Road to Perdition, Rain. Yeah. How do you get rain to show up on film? Uh, you backlight it. All right, that's it. That, that's, that's all you got to do. You got to backlight rain, and that's that's because otherwise it just doesn't show up. It can show up. It just it, that's when it shows up the best is a backlight. We covered um, Kurosawa's Rushamon on the podcast, and how I was reading how they got the rain to show up in that was it, they actually had to dye it black. Really? Yeah, just so they could you know get it to show up and during the daylight. I don't. It's that's crazy. really interesting. What they're doing, that's basically simple. So they must have been having they're, – they're having to throw in a lot of front lights, not backlit. So because it's translucent and you're not backlighting it, you need it to be opaque. So you're making it black to make it opaque. That makes sense. On black and white film, yeah. Yeah. Well, on anything. If you make anything, like, again – But re- then the rain would look black, right? Well, yeah. It would be – look. Yeah, yes, if you oh, – okay, yeah, okay, okay. Would the, yeah. I'm sure it looked probably black there too. It looked something strange. I mean, it was black and white film. The rain had to look black, right? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, it just looked like rain. You don't really, I don't really think about it. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I, no, I feel like I need to watch that again and pay closer yeah, attention to you. that detail. And this is in what movie was it? Ran? Uh, no, it was Rushamon. Rushamon? Yeah. The fifth, I think it came out in 1950. Yeah. That, but that would make sense to make it opaque. Then, then you can light it from the front and the side and whatever. And then because it's not translucent, it's opaque. Then you're lighting, you know, you're lighting, an opaque object. I think that's always so interesting when they, you hear stories like that in film because, like, even in uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, where they couldn't get the blood to show up in the bathtub, right? So they had to use chocolate syrup, right? <laughs> and it's just like, man, who, who, who the fuck on the film set thought of that? Like, they were just like, you know what? Hey, Hitch, I happen to have some chocolate syrup in the car. I think Hitch probably had it in his pocket. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Poor Hitch. Woo. <laughs> He did okay for himself. Uh, yeah, no, he did. Uh, he did great. Speaking, okay, we're speaking. Speaking of uh, Hitchcock, what do, you, what do you think of a Brian De Palma? You a Brian De Palma fan? Uh, yeah, I am a Brian De Palma fan. I'm. I'm very interested in. There's a documentary coming out on him uh, very soon. I just saw a trailer for it, and I'm very interested in seeing it. Uh, yeah, I am a, a De Palma fan. Uh, probably uh, Scarface. Oh, Scarface is good. Scarface is great. Yeah, it's great, great, great. Um, Your cockroaches. <laughs> I love it. Uh, what about you? Yeah. Yeah, no, the, the, the Palm is great. Uh, Mission to Mars, I think, is the only film I really don't care much for. That's the only one I'm kind of... Mission to Mars? Yeah, the one he did with Gary Sinise. It was kind of... Uh, I think it was the one after he did uh, Mission Impossible. 
with Tom Cruise. And what 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 happens? And is he stuck on Mars and has to farm potatoes? No, out of his turds or something like that. No, no that's the Martian. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's kind of, it's kind of like a remake of two thousand one, like Don Cheadle's um, stuck on he and his character is like stuck on Mars and like this the sandstorm, and then by the end of it, yeah, Gary Sinise comes and like saves him. Wait a minute, this sounds a lot like The Martian. Well, no, they come and they save him, but then they, they find out our architect, this alien pyramid of some kind, or some what? kind of alien building that's okay. on Mars. Yeah. And that's where life from Earth came from. You Is find it? out once they go inside. and Oh, it's got DNA. Co- I think I remember this. It has like the code for DNA. and Yeah. And that we, that we were seeded from Martians, and they, they wanted to preserve life, so they, they shot the... They shot DNA spooge all over their, <laughs> right? Yeah, something like that. that yeah, maybe the, yeah. that's not the technical description of it. But yeah, you know, De Palma, uh, great, great filmmaker. Uh, who's who's your favorite? Who's your oh. favorite cinematographer? Oh wow, that's you know, there's so many good ones out there. Now I feel like if you name somebody, then you got to name somebody else. Uh, right? Instead of putting me on the spot, let's put you on the spot. Who's who's your favorite? And I'll give you the, I'll, I'll give you my. Uh, I like that uh, Storato, uh, Storetto, Victor Storetto. Victoria Storaro. Victoria Storato. Storaro, Storato, and Storato, Storaro, whatever. That guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shot Apocalypse yeah. Now. Yeah, that that that's okay. Um, <laughs> what's that other one he did? Uh, the last Lady Emperor? Hawk. You like that? <laughs> La- did he do Lady Hawk? I believe he did Lady Hawk. He did Lady Hawk with yeah. um, oh, who was that? Michelle Pfeiffer and yeah. uh, Rudger uh, Howard. Th- I'm pretty sure he did The Last Emperor, and uh, but The Conformist is a really interesting film. No, I don't think I've seen that. Who's in that? It's an Italian film. No, I can I can say I haven't uh, I haven't seen The Conformist. I did not know he did Dick Tracy though, so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to take a point away from him for that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, Dick. We're gonna have to ding him for Dick Tracy. Hey, payday, payday. Yeah. Oh, you know what? It is a colorful movie. It's like. Uh, the Tim Burton Batman movies were just dark, yeah, and very they lacked a lot of color, very monochromatic. But then once you went to Joel Schumacher, it was extremely colorful. And Dick Tracy is like that. Uh, it, I don't know. It's it's the weird version where it's kind of it's in between those two, but it, it it's a colorful Tim Burton adaptation almost. You know what I mean? Mm. Where it still has the hard lines, it has the hard shadows, mm. but. It's very James is like shut up, you know. I know <laughs> Dick Tracy sucks. You can't convince me that Dick Tracy is good. I, you know, I haven't seen the movie in ages. I, I, I haven't you know, either. Uh, yeah, I, I can't even. Yeah, I, guy did do Apocalypse Now, and that's amazing. It is amazing. Yes, it's really good. And he, he did Lady Hawk too. Hey, you know what? Lady Hawk has a seven on IMDb, <laughs> and Willow has a seven point three. Who directed Willow? Was it Ron, Ron Howard? Howard. Yeah. Ron Howard directed Willow. Oh, you all great. I Do you remember that line from the movie? Oh, you all great. No, I don't remember that line. Yeah, never, you, you, you haven't seen Willow that many times. No. I, 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 the only thing I can remember about Willow is that uh, Val Kilmer's trapped, and they all turn to pigs at the end. Uh, hmm. I guess I haven't seen Willow as many times as I thought. Yeah, it's... It, like the the evil witch, she goes out at the end. She's like, "You guys are," and she like turns them all into like hogs or pigs. I don't know, something that looks like a pig. maybe they're fucking warthogs, but like some kind of piggy animal. Uh huh. Look, man, this is what stuck with me. All right, I'm uh, just saying. I haven't seen it since the theater. I'll be honest with you. Okay. Adrian uh, Bibble shot uh, the guy who shot Aliens. Wow. Shot Willow. What's his filmography? 
he did Aliens, Princess Bride, Willow, uh, Thelma and Louise. We'll sk- we'll skip Judge Dredd. Uh, he did Event Horizon, which we've which covered Judge on Dredd the the recent ju- well, that would the be Stallone. the Stallone the Stallone Judge. Hey, you know the cin- the cinematography was good in that movie. I mean, you know, it looked good. It looked good. It was maybe not the best movie, but it looked good. Oh, he shot a Bond film, and he shot The World Is Not Enough. Now, which one is that? Uh, it's the one where Denise Richards plays a nuclear... nuclear <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. A nuclear scientist. Oh, man. But yeah, he did, so he did a couple other like big-budget uh, movies. He did uh, Mummy Returns, Reign of Fire. Reign of Fire. Yeah, fighting dragons in the future. <laughs> you know the only the only thing I can really remember about that is uh, Matthew McConaughey's like I'm American <laughs> and I'm in England. <sighs> you guys aren't as grisly as me. Yeah, that was that. Yeah, and then who know who knew after watching that that ten years later that guy was gonna win an Oscar for best actor? Who saw that shit coming? Who won an Oscar? Matthew McConaughey for what? Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, he did. You know, I didn't see Dallas Buyers Club. I was too busy working. Is it good? Yeah, yeah, it is good. It is. Uh, it's good, but Jared Leto, I actually think, is a little bit better. He kind of steals the movie. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. man, dude, Jared Leto is really good. Is he? Are you yeah. excited about uh, Suicide Squad? Uh, you know, a little bit. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. Anything you want to talk about? Anything else you wanted to say to, like, younger filmmakers getting started? Or Run. Run away. I would say to uh, younger filmmakers about this: If you're a filmmaker, if you're a filmmaker and you want to and you want to make films, I have uh, nothing but uh, you should do that. Absolutely, do that. If you're thinking about being a film technician or being in the industry as a, uh, in, in some capacity, just understand it is a huge commitment in time. That the normal normal production day is twelve hours. Then you add in lunch. Plus getting back from lunch. So you're talking about, let's say, uh, 12 hours and 40 minutes at work every day. That's including your off time at lunch, which you're still there eating. Um, then let's say you travel. So you're looking about 13, 13 and a half hour, hours a day. Think about that. 13 and a half hours a day spent on a set. Everyone, when they first start doing it, loves it, loves it, loves it. But after a while, that can be a very harsh lifestyle. That's a lifestyle that, you know, most of your life is spent on set. Not very conducive to families. Not very conducive to families. Not very conducive to families. A lot of people, you know, people end up spending more time with the the crews they work with than their actual families or with them longer. So, uh, yeah, it's something to think about. It's something to think about. And it's very hard, especially very hard on children in the business. I see that a lot. People who work a lot, you know. Their kids kind of grow up, you know, absentee parents. Film sets are probably not the best place in the world for kids. In the world, you know. Well, you know, um, <laughs> a lot of cussing not. on a film set. I've always been impressed that anytime you're shooting in some place religious or like if you're shooting in the White House, you know, any any place that's got some kind of you know respect or prestige to it, or if there are kids around, I do. I will always respect how. A lot of that stuff gets curbed and put to the side. Oh, yeah. That, it's just professionalism. <clears throat> it is. On a different level. Sure. I mean, crews can be very, yeah, it depends on the crew, I suppose. But there's, there's yeah, a lot of crews true. are very respectful. You know, again, I said I did a show called Stranger Things uh, for about almost six months with Netflix. And I was doing some of the second unit gaffing on that. And I was doing, I was first unit electrician. 
you know, we had kids on set and we, we tried to be very conscious of that, uh, a big part of the show and stars of the show and, uh, great people to work with, you know, you, 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 you cater to them when it's that way. And I, I think we had the right crew for it too. Everybody in the crew was very, you know, very, very happy to be working with the, 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 the cast we were working with. Very, very happy to be working with them. And, uh, and enjoyed it. So you guys had a bunch of kids though. That wasn't just like one yeah, or two. Yeah, like, we had a bunch, a bunch of kids. Right? Yeah, yeah. Bunch of kids on that show. Bunch oh, of kids. Great. Man. They're all great. Really good. Okay, so the kids can't they can't work all the time though, right? There is and that was uh yeah, yeah, but then you have adults, so what you can do is you know, you save the adults up they're finished their the work at the end of the day. Or yeah, but there there's a limit to uh the amount of hours that a kid can work. Uh a, a, I say a kid, you know, the a young actor can work. And there's rules about it, and they have to attend so much school a day. So there's there's interesting things like that. And I got to say, uh, they were people the people producing and uh, behind the show were very cognizant of that, and you know kept that in mind very very much. It was that was really really great show to work on. Um, I've got to say, hopefully, I, I'm hoping it turns out well. You can never tell when you're making a show if it turns out well, but I really hope for benefit of everybody. Uh, the two guys behind it, the Duffer brothers, um, fantastic, fantastic guys, really super nice guys. So I hope everything goes very well for them. I hope it turns out well. And that's Stranger Things, right? It's Stranger Things. Stranger Things on Netflix. I think it's going to premiere uh, July 15th. So I'm hoping that uh, that it turns out well. Everybody go get on Netflix. You you already have it. You're paying for it. You know, get some use out of it. July 15th. Stranger Things. Renata Wilder's in it. Renata Renata Ryder's in it. Uh, That's right. Matthew Modine's in it. Yeah. Look at that, man. The original. Well, I guess he's not the original Joker. I guess, you know, the DC Joker goes back further than him. Right. Right. He's the war version. Right. Show me your war face. What? (laughs) (laughs) I can't, man. I can just start quoting that movie all night long. (laughs) Do you, are you on social media? Is there anything you want to promote or anything like that? I am trying to shoot anything I can. Uh, trying to move into uh, into the world of being a director of photography, and I'm trying to shoot everything I can. Uh, you can check my reel out on Vimeo. Just look up James Young DP. And uh, if you should uh, require assistance, please let me know. All right, guys. And we will put that in the show notes. So if you guys wanted to check out more of James' works, we will put that in there for you. James, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thank you. I wish I could have uh, been of more help. or you know. What? No, dude, you are, a, you are a mountain of help. Look, sure. You yeah. are filling in all the gaps that we mostly just pretty much have talked to directors up until this point. So Yeah, really? Okay. <laughs> James is like, yeah. Well, what else is new? That's, that's all anybody ever talks to. Fuck those guys. Yeah. Well, who, who did you talk to? Uh, we talked to Eric England, Kern Saxton, losers. No, I'm just kidding. I don't even know. I'm sorry. And that's just, where we're cutting the show off. It's all right, guys. So that's going to do it for us tonight. Again, uh, Stranger Things going to be on Netflix. July 15th, that's coming up here pretty soon. Check that out. You can binge watch all those episodes because, you know, Netflix releases everything at one time. If you guys want to get in touch with us, our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew. Crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E, extra E at the end, at gmail.com. 
Guys, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Overcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. Nah, we're, we're in most places. We're in those places. How about that? Hey, guys, give us a rating. If you like our show, please, it helps people find out about us, and that would be awesome. And guys, also, we still have that uh, poster contest going on for Deadly Blessing. That's the uh, poster that Screen Factory put out for that film by Wes Craven, Deadly Blessing. If you guys want the poster, we're looking for the 43rd email to get in contact with us. Just put poster or Deadly Blessing poster in the subject line, and I'll count it. 43rd email I get, it's yours. I don't know what to do for music. I don't think they've released the Stranger Things uh, soundtrack at the time of this recording, so I think we're just going to end this show tonight with a little bit of the trailer. And again, James Young worked on this. With that, enjoy. We'll catch you next time. This is Hawkins. I don't know the worst thing that's ever happened here in the four years I've been working here. It was when an owl attacked Eleanor Gillespie's head because it thought that her hair was a nest. out of a hundred times kid goes missing the kid is with a parent or a relative what about the other time what you said 99 out of a hundred what about the other time the one something that he shouldn't have.